putting the bookend on our series, Reply All, we started it right after Easter, and it was in response of a survey that we had almost 4,500 people fill out uh, asking the question, uh, we asked the question, what would you want to hear a message that the Bible talks about? Uh, what is something that you're dealing with facing? And over the last several weeks, we have chiseled away at the top uh, several topics. And uh, I, I am so thankful for the teaching team that handled these. Today, we're going to end this series by talking about a topic that over the last five times we've done this survey, it has been in the top three every single time. And I've preached about it every single year that we've done the survey. And you guys aren't getting it. Because you keep asking, I want to hear a message about it. So we're going to dive in today. Before I do, I just want to give you the, the anchor theologically of why we're doing this. There's so many areas in the Bible where, where Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I tell you this. There's a culture that wants to tell you how to live, how to act, how to behave, how to love, how to think, how to feel, how to respond, how to work. A culture that's begging you to follow lockstep in kind of militant obedience to the culture. And Jesus says, you've heard it said, live like this. I'm telling you, this is the way wherein you should live. And so the Bible gives us direction for everyday life. Not only that, but there's many instances all throughout the Gospels where someone would come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, what do you say about this? And so this whole series, Reply All, is in response the same way a couple thousand years ago when Jesus was in the flesh and people responding and asking questions, we are doing the same today. And today that topic has to do with stress, handling stress. I've entitled this message, All Stressed Up With Nowhere To Go. And that's the truth. You are so stressed up, stressed out and what do you do with all that? Now, I don't know why. I don't know why anybody in this room would be stressed. Like, why in the world, what in the world are you dealing with that would make you need to be stressed about anything? Because when you consider the job and all your responsibilities, everything falls in place. There's, there's not, there's, you've got plenty of time to do everything you want to do. The job is great. You're, you, you, you really love Susie and HR is making you fill out the extra reports. You just, everybody's gets along. Nobody's talked behind your back. Things are perfect right? Why be stressed? Money? Man, some of you, you feel like, I've got so much money, i got to go to my employer and say, take some of this back. You don't want another promotion. You're like, man, I'm just so at, like, money's fine. Your health, your relationships, everything's perfect. There's not been any bad reports. There's not been any kind of look in the mirror and say, I need to do something about this. Or responsibilities or relationships that are just like perfect. Yeah, you and your, your wife, it's like your words just drip honey to one another. You guys are like a song of Solomon coming home. Cedar of Lebanon. There's all kinds of crazy rated R scriptures there I can tell you, but read it. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, we, we would like it to be that way. But we are living in fantasy land to think that everything's hunky-dory. There's all kinds of reality checks here because the job does bring a certain amount of stress or responsibilities that you have to carry. 
um, from being not only someone who might work or someone who works full-time in the home or raising kids or struggling with what's next or going through that heartache. There's a lot of pieces that build upon, that, that, that bring stress. And the more we're stressed, the, the harder the job is. And the harder the job is, the more stress. And it's a vicious cycle that we find ourselves in. And we say, how do we get off this crazy train? And, and, and not only are these realities of life, but then we have these, these uh, culprits that add to it. One would be media overload. We, we, I, I said in first service, media overlord on accident, but it was actually very fitting because media tends to lord over us these days. Do you know in just the last 12 months alone, the average consumption of screen time has grown by one hour per person in the United States. Just in one year, our average has gone up. In other words, people are addicted to their phones. They're addicted to media. Not, not all media is bad. Media is good. It's okay. You can be addicted to some things. One of my friends would say, be addicted to the Radkeys uh, Tuesday night at 930 CST. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, our previous worship pastor, Melissa Radke, her and oral family have, have a sitcom now on USA Network, and their very first premiere was, was last Tuesday. And uh, Melissa would want me to tell you, y'all, this isn't on TBN, it's on USA. So if you're expecting like everything to be like a sermon, it ain't going to be a sermon, but here's what it is going to be. It is going to be a key that unlocks doors to other opportunities for them. What's been great is this TV show is opening doors for them to, to have fun. It's an unscripted family sitcom, but then it's opening doors for other ways that they can leverage their relationship with Jesus in cool ways. And it's very fun. I mean, I saw this online the other day, this picture with Todd Chrisley and Melissa Radke together, who's the guy that leads, they lead in from Chrisley Knows Best. But I want everybody, I want to set the record straight. Before there was ever a Chrisley and Melissa, there was a mama bear and a J-Lo. I'm just telling you, there was a mama bear and a J-Y. Okay. I really take credit for putting her on the map. You're, 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 you're welcome, uh, Melissa. Hey, all fun and games, having a good time. But can I say this? Um, th this is just a television show and it's just fun. Uh, but, but they're part of our church family. Would you pray with me uh, for them? Lord, whenever you expose yourself like that publicly, you bring attention and people will love them. And then people are brutally rude and troll and negative and some will salute the flag and others will shoot the flag and I, I just pray Lord you would protect them keep them safe uh, may there be something that we don't see that you see that comes out of this way beyond a simple silly sitcom that somehow the door would open for other opportunity that this just opens the door gets the foot in the door for whatever you might do next. Lord, we, we love it when church family like this, over a million people last week tuned in to see the family of the Radkeys. Wow. And I pray that, that they would see you through that and however you see fit, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So moving on, media overload. Not only media overload, but lack of sleep. How many feel like you get all the sleep you need? How many feel like you don't get enough sleep? Yeah, right, of course. 
Like, like, and then lack of sleep leads to frustration, leads to more things in your job and money and responsibilities. Here's another one, crazy schedule. It's just, just, it's like, when does this thing ever end? When does it slow down? If you are the one that says, when things slow down a little bit, I'll start serving. <laughs> things don't accidentally just all of a sudden slow down. Uh, it, it, it speeds up. It's the natural activity of life. And until you make a very specific decision on your schedule, which we'll talk about in a minute, it's, it's going to continue to get more and more crazy. Here's one that applies to a lot of us, including myself. Not enough blank for everything. You, you, you fill in the blank for you. Uh, not enough time for everything. Not enough days for everything. Not enough sleep for everything. N- not enough patience for everything. Not enough trust. Not enough money, not enough understanding. And, and, and here, here's what happens. Because, because we all want to live life to the fullest and because we're chasing this, this what's been titled the American dream, uh, the you know, pursuit of happiness, uh, write this down. In an effort to get the most out of life, we, we can lose control of our lives. So we're trying to get more out of life, but then when you lose control of your life, you don't get more out of life. You lose control. And here, here's what the result is. The result, the result is not a gravy train. The result is chaos. When you lose control, chaos ensues. In the service today, over the next few minutes that we have, listen to me, everybody, and I want you to lean in. I want you to... This is like in that, in that race that you're in. I just want to take a moment and I want to pull the yellow flag out. I'm just pulling the caution flag out for just a minute. Everybody slow down, evaluate. There may be some detours or some roadblocks or some, I want to tell you, I don't mean to prophesy, but there could be some, there, there could be some wrecks ahead. If we don't slow down and just re- realize you are meant to live differently than the rest of the culture. Now, if you want to keep living this way, go. But as Christ followers, we don't have that luxury. We have to surrender to how Jesus invites us to live every day. I've used this analogy before, but like consider the, the edge of this platform. I've got margin between me and the edge. The closer I get to the edge of the platform, my margin lowers and the less I can focus on what I'm saying to you and the less you're focusing on what I'm saying to you and the more you're focusing on how does he keep his shoes so white because I don't wear them. But you're also focusing on how's he going to fall. I hope he fall, 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 fall. Someone wants to come up right now and push me over. I know it. I know you. But, but here's the deal. I can't even really focus about what I'm saying because I'm so close to the line. We lose focus when we run without any margin. It's like the tachometer, the tachometer on your, in your car that shows the RPMs. You, you've, got, you've got a red line on RPMs. Just because it's on there doesn't mean you're meant to run the needle into the red. Like it shows you, hey, if you want to blow up, do this. It's not like, let's see what this thing can do. Woo! Famous last words of a redneck right there. Watch! Your life is not meant to be in the red line. You've got to have some margin. But here's what happens. When we get chaotic in life, here's some things. Write it down. We become scattered. Scattered. I've got to do this. got to do that. Ah, you're writing stuff on your arm, trying to remind yourself 
what's going on. You got this, you got that. Your car looks like the Angelina landfill, so many things in it. You become scattered. Um, here's what Scripture says in the book of Proverbs. An intelligent person, and I would say you would like to be intelligent. I, I want to be as intelligent as I can be. Aims at wise action. There's an aim. There's a focus. There's laser, the laser insight here. But a fool starts out in what? Many directions. So the, the alarm goes off. You snooze it three times. And then you're up and you're scattered. You got to get, get the kids around. You got to get them on time because they got to get to school. And thank God for summer. But then also thank God for school starting again, everybody that's got kids at home. Oh. But anyway, you just get scattered. And you aim in many, many different directions. The Bible says that's foolish. You're a fool when you're running so many different I'm just spinning plates. I just got a lot on my plate. And we, it's like we put that into like the merit badge deal. You know, there's not a marriage bat for plate spinning. There's no gold star for running yourself into the red line. But we sure wear it like that, don't we? It's almost like a comparison trap thing that we get into because we become scattered. You know what else? We become reactive. Instead of us having the steering wheel, we give other people the steering wheel. We say things like, you're driving me crazy. It's because you gave them the steering wheel. You gave them the steering wheel because things are so stressed because there's not enough margin. You, want, you wish you had more time, but you can't make more time in the day, but you can make more space in your time. You become reactive to things, and, and you say things that you normally wouldn't say, or you don't say things that you should say. You become reactive. You become frantic. He said, frantic. Here's what frantic just means. You worry. There's anxiety. Worry is not of God. Worry is saying, I better handle this with my own strength. Because that's what you do when you're worried. You're handling it with your own strength. Frantic pace, life, worrying, twiddling our thumbs, biting our bottom lip, wondering what if. That's not the way. That's not, that's not the way you could be living. And everybody look right here. There's pain in your life and pain in our lives because things we know we should do and the way we live, when we know, when we, know we should live a certain way and then we live a different way, the space between those two creates chaos and pain in our lives and stress goes up. Because a lot of this, look, I've already preached on it. This is the fifth time now. Like, you know this. You know, you know you're stressed. You know these things. You know, like, uh-huh, amen. But like then, why aren't we doing anything about it? Why? Because I think sometimes we just live frantic, reactive, scattered lives without taking a moment and whew, slowing down and thinking. And just like, the, just like Job in the Old Testament, who in a matter of unbelievable, serious, serious tragedies, lost so much, his business, his family, his homes, and, and, and as, he's, as he's grieving over all that, he, he says this in Job 9. He says, my days go by faster than a runner. Is that true in your life? Going by so fast and just like, oh, where did the time go? My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. Now, he could have finished with a lot different words. He could have finished with, my, my, they fly away without my seeing any results, without me seeing any satisfaction, without me seeing any more money, without me seeing this or that or the other. But he says joy because there is this critical piece that brings you strength that you have to choose. That doesn't just happen to you. You have to choose this in your life, and it is you have to choose 
joy. But here's the result of scattered, frantic, crazy lives. Joy decreases. And if joy decreases, here's what happens. Stress increases. And the joy of the Lord, the Bible says, there's something that it brings. The joy of the Lord is my, ooh, many of you knew it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So if your joy is decreasing and Jesus wants to give you strength to endure every single day, but your joy is decreasing, your strength is by default not going to be there to face the stress. And as stress increases, what have you just done? You have just, we have just put together a cocktail, put an umbrella in it of disaster in your life. As joy decreases, strength runs out, stress increases, and you find yourself in places you didn't want to be. You find yourself more vulnerable. You find yourself be the, the, the tail wagging the dog. Can I be honest with you for a minute? I'm always honest with you, but can I be like, can I, can I, can I be vulnerable and transparent with you for a moment? Man, this is kind of where I felt like I was a few weeks ago. I love Jesus. I love you. My wife says to me, she, she's, a word, she's an encouraging word person. She's an empathy person and just words of encouragement. You can talk, like, you can, you can say something that's like, man, I just, I shouldn't have done that. And, and man, why did I do that? And she's like, oh, you're amazing. I just love you. And I love what you've done. Did you get new eyelashes? Like, she just, and I don't mean like valley girl ditzy. I mean, she's just always so, just, she's just an encourager. And she will say to me, um, when I don't believe it, she says things like, there are some people that you just know when they were born, they were born to do what they're doing. And that's you, Jeremy. She'll say that to me. And I, I'm a words of affirmation kind of guy. I, I need encouragement. Of course, there's not a person alive that says, I wish you'd just like gossip and slander and discourage me a whole bunch. Nobody's living like that. Everybody needs more encouragement. Don't you need more encouragement? Don't you, you ought to be given more encouragement. To whom much is given, much is required. But to be honest with you, the pace at which we've been running as a church, we've, we've grown by hundreds of people, adding venues, um, building multi-million dollar deal in Nacogdoches, and like gonna do a virtual teaching environment over there and, and borrowing money and stewarding what we have and adding staff and transitioning staff and loving life and building a house and having kids and having a teenager and like just... And so to be honest with you, uh, I had let job and responsibilities, my health, um, I felt out of control. And the wisdom and insight of our deacon team giving me time off couldn't have, it was more supernatural, you know, because I, I began to wake up and I'm just, I'm just talking as clear as I can with you, okay? You, you, you love me? I think you'd want your pastor to be honest with you. Um, I was waking up saying to Janet, I wonder if maybe there's something else I can do. Now, I know some of you, you don't get it, you know, but I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, for me, just understand, you probably could do it with no problem. But for me, I, I, I was getting tired. I was saying, man, I wonder if maybe I could talk to a friend of mine who owns a successful business. Maybe they could use someone who's a, a strategist like me. Like, like words I'd never want to say. Why? Because I love this church. I love you, and I want to be here for a long, long time until Jesus comes back, or until I die, or until you get sick of me. Not because I'm out of strength, 
And I began to look back, and over this time that I had off, I began to realize that it wasn't about the things out here. It was about what was in here, and it was like I had just kind of lost some of my joy. I lost some of my joy. But, man, I just want to tell you, everything's okay. <laughs> my joy's back. Uh, my, my, my family's doing well. I'm doing well. It's not like I had to take off because I had to go fix some things or was, you know, swimming in sin. Um, but, man, I, I've got some joy back, and I want to talk to you about how to do that for yourself. Yeah, praise God for that. Praise God for that. I just, Elizabeth, I, I can't help but say this right now. We're at Planet Fitness. She's climbing the Stairmaster. <laughs> And I get up there, and I'm climbing the stairmaster, or was, or was it the treadmill? I don't remember. Whatever. We, 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 were, we were climbing the rope without any legs. It's our story. We'll talk about it. Elizabeth, she's just working out. And I get next to her. She goes, excuse me. She goes, are you the, the pastor of Timber Creek? And we begin to talk. And, and such joy, such joy. You, you, you begin to forget the little things that bring you joy. That conversation just then brought me so much joy in my life. But when you're stressed and when you're focused on other things, you forget those things that bring you joy. We've had so many, just someone in between services said, I've never been a part of a church that's seen so many people water baptized. Oh, that ought to give you joy today. It ought to give me, but when you're stressed, you forget the little things that bring you joy. And she said, my husband and I were at the air fair, or the, the air show, and you were handing out, team was handing out sunglasses, and we met somebody, and my husband said, well, do you got to dress up at your church? And I can dress whatever you want. I mean, we would never wear holes in our jeans because that would be dishonoring to God, bless God. <laughs> but, but, but here, but, but, but they said, hey, it's a church anyone can come to. And since then, God has brought so much joy in your life, hasn't he? And it brings joy in my heart. I just love what God is doing in the church. But when you're stressed and when things pack, pack in and you, you, you start feeling a little overwhelmed, you, you can get scattered. You know, you know what else can happen? When that chaos ensues in your life, write some of these down. Your, your emotions become inconsistent. What ought to make you laugh? Maybe you're numb. Or like all of a sudden you're crying at something ridiculous. That happened to me a while back watching Junior Cupcake Wars. <laughs> and little Brittany got voted a huff. And I'm on the couch crying. <laughs> Brittany, I thought that was cute. And my kids are like, what is wrong with dad? <laughs> Strawberry cheese. Your emotions are inconsistent. You know what else happens? You're less productive. You think that if I just, if I bring the work home and I lay it out on the table and I eat the sandwich and talk to the family while I'm doing the work, I can become more, no, you're less productive. You're scattered and you think I'm gonna do more, but you just accomplish less. It's like the lumberjack who never sharpens the ax and just keeps chopping and chopping and chopping and eventually that ax gets dull, but no, I don't got time. I don't got time to slow down. I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, you will. No, you know you won't, because you're dead. People are not asleep when they're dead, they're just dead. Their bodies are dead, their souls live forever, but you're dead. No, you gotta take time to sharpen the ax. 
to rejuvenate. So then you can chop down more, but then rest. Now, look, God never, he, he, God is, is stiff arms, people that are prideful and people that are lazy, people that have laziness. So I'm not saying like just rest, just, ah, I'll get to it when I get to it. You ought to be the hardest working, most effective, to, to, depending upon your skill and ability, you ought to be the best you you can be wherever you plant yourself. Your bosses ought to look at you and say, man, I wish I had three more of them. Because you are showing them how, how Jesus rejuvenates you and you work, but you also got to find time to step back and sharpen the ax. You know, this is so true in, in the way we give to the Lord. The Bible talks about bringing our first fruits to the Lord. Uh, the tithe. Tithe does not just mean offering. It means 10%. So a tithe, a tenth of our income. He said, put the tithe, the tenth, in my hand. And here's what happens. We think if I put 10% in God's hand into the kingdom, I will have less to work with. So I can't do that because I need all of it. And guess what? You become less productive with the finances you have. When you, when you manage 100% in your own hands, you are less productive than when you would put supernaturally 10% into the hand of God and he then helps manage the other 90%. But we just think we got it figured out. And he said, look, I, I'm telling you, I know how this thing works. He kind of created this whole deal called life. Follow him. But we become less productive when we're stressed. You know, I found myself, it was harder to, Harder to, to write sermons when I was low in the tank. Harder, harder to preach. Um, it, it was so filling today just to be in the lobby in between services, high-fiving and smiling, kissing babies. I don't kiss your babies. That, that's weird. Unless you want me to, and I'll kiss them right on the forehead. But Kissing wives. <laughs> that's a whole different pastor. <laughs> that's, a, that's not at this church. That's not at this church. Like, but to be honest with you, that was a struggle a few weeks ago it was a struggle because I just didn't I just need I needed I needed what only God can give and none of you my wife my kids my family finances a home none of that can give you what you need from God none, it, none of it will we're, we're beca- trying to become more productive make a little bit more money so men, maybe I can relax a little bit more maybe I can finally have none of that will ever suffice none of that will ever satisfy but the joy of the Lord is our what? Come on, Dieball. Come on, Duncan. The joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. Yeah. When I become chaotic, my resistance lowers. The ability to say no to things, it, it decreases. Uh, my, my resistance to maybe thoughts that I would take captive quickly or you could take captive quickly, your resistance lowers when you're stressed. Things that you wouldn't normally say, things you wouldn't normally think, things you wouldn't normally do, your resistance becomes lower and there's capacity for you to do things, say things, think things that you wouldn't normally say, think, or do. And all of this results in a, in, in a way where God seems distant. God can seem distant to you. And, and, and when you feel distant from God, I want to promise you, God doesn't move. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If there's anything the Bible says about him moving, it's that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. But he doesn't, he doesn't run away from you. He, 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 he's, he's, he's secure. But when we feel distant, it's because we've allowed these other things to get in our life. 
And you know, ultimately, what, what a lot of people feel these days, and there is this feeling in our culture, it's, I feel empty. There's such, there's such a heaviness on our culture these days. More people are depressed. More people are struggling with anxiety. More, more people are hurting today. It, it, it is, it is an epidemic people feeling the emptiness and loneliness of life. And if they could just find the true freedom that comes in Christ, know him deeply, discover his purpose. You know, that's what we've wrapped our whole church around, knowing God personally, finding freedom, discovering purpose. And then with that, making a difference for the kingdom of God, not just making a difference, making the difference, because at the end of the day, it's all that matters, the kingdom of God. But when we're so stressed, we get out of the habit of coming to church. We, we get out of the habit of serving. We get out of the habit because we, we, we just can't add that to our plate. And the scripture kind of defines our life. We become merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. And I want to tell you, we've made it harder than it has to be. We've made it harder than it has to be. Are you still with me so far? I don't know. We're talking like real life here. Oh, it would be nice if you, you know, I, I wish I, you'd give me a little bit deeper message today. Man, I could give you the Greek word for stress, but some of you don't need the Greek word for stress. You, you, you need to just know, like, what do I do to get, to get back, to give God back control of my life? Because you've been in control of your life when you're so stressed out. How's that working for you? You know, trigger, turbo. How's that working for you, buddy? It's not. It's not working. When we're working, that's all, folks. <laughs> Wasn't working for me either. So this isn't a new thing. A couple of thousand years ago, three or 4,000 years ago, when the Israelites were taken into bondage, captivity to Babylon, the, the word of God, the Lord speaks through the prophet Jeremiah, and he invites that nation to do the same invitation for you today in 2019. And here's what he says to that nation thousands of years ago. He says this, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Look at your life. Look at your stress. Look at your calendar. Look at your priorities. Look. Just look at it. Would you look at that? Look at it. Look at it. This is what, stand at the crossroads and consider it. Think about it. Look. He goes on to say, ask for the ancient paths. There is not a new self-help book that is going to automatically help you with this. It, it's the same knowledge given at the very beginning from God himself. God rests after he works. God of the cosmos works six days, and on the seventh day, what did I say he does? Does God need to rest? No, no he's God. He's not some, you know, middle-aged, overweight, out-of-shape jogger in a velvet jumpsuit with an inhaler <laughs> trying to rest because, man, uh, <gasps> making that man and woman just took it out of me. No, he shows us a pattern for living. Shows us a pattern. He says, show me the good path where the good way is, and then Walk in it, walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, if you're looking for rest, do this, do this. But here's the deal, because this is the fifth time I've preached it, a little bit different message, but the same topic, we respond the same way the Israelites responded several thousand years ago. God, God shows us how he responds, the very next line, he says this, but you said, eh, we won't walk in it. I know, I know, I know things are crazy, but, you know, the kids need to experience what we didn't experience when we were kids. 
And we need to make sure they're into everything, you know, and all this and 422 things. Because the other kids are doing it. Or the other spouses are doing it. Or the other people are doing it. Or look across the street. They've got that. And we don't walk in it. You know, you, you write this down. We tend to be our worst enemy. Because we are masters at self-sabotage. Everybody say it out loud, all locations. Read it with me. Here we go. We tend to be our own worst enemy because we are masters at self-sabotage. It's not your boss doing it to you. Like, let me just tell you, if you are sick and tired of your boss, do something different. But whatever you do, there's probably going to be another boss. And there's going to be another chance for you to get stressed out on something else. And there's always going to be another Susie in HR. In the fall of 2018, there was this incredible moment at an auction house. The artist known as Banksy, he's, he's an he's a, uh, anonymous street artist who does street art. It's not vandalism. I mean, it would be considered vandalism, but it's, it's, it's not just like writing something, you know, J-Y plus J-N equals L-O-V-E. Like it's, it, it's beautiful works of art all across London. Like he had tagged a London Bridge and it was a picture of a, it's known now as Girl with Balloon. And it comes to find out, Banksy decided to let that street art, he painted an original of that same art and he framed it and he put it up for sale at the Sotheby's auction house. This is what the, the painting looks like. And the girl with balloon was there for sale. When, when it sold, it sold for several hundred thousand pounds in U.S. dollars. It sold, this street artist, his very first painting ever sold, $1,375,000 when the gavel hit the podium. That's crazy. $1.375 million. The moment the gavel hit the podium, though, something unbelievable and unexpected took place. They caught it on video. It was part of Banksy's plan all along. Take a look at what happened after this one million plus piece of art was sold. Look. Okay, it's the Banksy, girl with balloon, ladies and gentlemen, standing in the back of the room. And I'm gonna start getting here 100, 150, 200,000, I have already 200,000. If you didn't catch what happened and you don't know the story, before Banksy gave it to his broker to give to Sotheby's, inside that gold ornate frame, he had placed a shredder that was on a timer and a, and a trigger. And the moment it was sold, somebody in close proximity, probably Banksy himself, pushed the button and that 
that picture began to shred. So what you see, it's shredding. The $1,375,000 painting began to shred, and then the shredder malfunctions, and it only goes halfway. What? Now, he was trying to make a statement about art's not for sale. We're such a consumerism mentality. Get over yourselves trying to buy my paint. What he didn't know is his whole thing backfired because now it's estimated that because of all that, that painting's worth almost $3 million because of the whole thing. But here's the deal. Did you notice at the very end, two security guards take the painting and they try and take it backstage. There were security guards around the auction house. Why? Well, the security guards there, their job was to protect the paintings from the people, but they weren't thinking about they should ever have to protect the paintings from the paintings. And yet you are a work of art, a masterpiece, a one of a kind in the hands and eyes of God and you shred yourself when you allow this life to look like everybody else's. And God says, stand at the crossroads. Consider the old ways. Don't, don't just say, man, I wish things were different. Follow me and I will bring you to a lighter yoke, a lighter burden. So what does that look like? What, what, what do we do? Because we know, we know what we should do but what will I do? Let me give you three things that sound so simple, but they're so biblical. They're so God. And it all stems from this one, this one responsibility that God gives us. It's not in your notes, but you would want to write it in bold right there. Okay. Here's what we do. We've got to go back to keeping the Sabbath day holy. Now, let me explain that statement before you, you add to it and get it twisted. Let me, let me, let me say this statement keep. It's your job. It's your job to do something about a Sabbath day and making it holy. A, the Sabbath, it, it doesn't mean the whole thing looks like this. It means there's a section of your, of your, of your week. It's a day. Sabbath simply means it's a, it's a biblical word that means set apart for God. So when I was gone, I wasn't on a, a five-week vacation. Um, what we call it is a sabbatical. And it was time set apart for study and reflection and prayer and worship. I attended other church services where I didn't have to do a thing. Man, it felt great. Got to go hear T.D. Jakes preach. Got to hear my dad preach in Kansas. I, I got to spend time with the Lord. I got to write. I, I've, I've written about five messages already for what's coming up. I mean, I got, I just, I'm just ready to go. But, but, but I had to take some time to refocus spiritually um, in order for me to have joy. Uh, the Sabbath day, holy, set apart for him. And a day, notice that a, a service is not keeping the Sabbath day. That's an hour and a half. When, when I was gone, keeping the Sabbath service is about an hour. I'm back. Who knows how long we're going to be here today. I'm almost done. I'm kidding. <laughs> But it's way beyond going to church on Sunday morning. That, that's not what a Sabbath day is. It's a day. There's time set apart for him that isn't about what we do. It's really about what we don't do on those days. It's, it's really about what we don't, not what we do. 
And now before you get all caught up, like, well, isn't that Old Testament, Ten Commandments kind of thing? Like, isn't that old school? Like, we really aren't we doing? Because isn't Sabbath like on a Saturday anyway in the Old Testament? Yes, and Sunday because the resurrection of Christ happened on Sunday. The, the, the Western Christian uh, church celebrates on Sunday instead of Saturday. Saturday. Don't get all goofy on that. You're not going to heaven if it's not on Saturday. That's ridiculous, and that's legalism, and that's not even, you don't even need to, don't do that. But you got to find time to rest and to find time to have a Sabbath where you're truly refocusing, rejuvenating, and resting. And here's what it looks like. I'm going to show you. It's not just New T- Old Testament. Look in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. There remains, there remains now a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest, also rests from their works just as God did from his. So there is something about being like God when you rest from work. You're becoming more like him when you rest and not just are stressed. It rhymes. (laughs) And here's what he says. Therefore, make every effort to enter that rest. You've got to put some work into resting. Isn't that crazy? You put work into everything else. You've got to put some work. It's hard work to find rest. And it's, it's, your, it's your job. It's not my job to find it for you. It wasn't the deacon's team job to find it for me. It wasn't my wife saying, you've got to slow down. I've got to, find, I've got to choose joy on my own, and I've got to choose to work, to rest, to make that a priority in my life. So here's three ways we make the Sabbath day holy every single week. Are you ready? Three simple ways. And that's a declaration for you and for me today. Here they are. Number one, I will rest my body. Thus saith the Lord, take a nap. Take a nap. Uh, take, to like, like, go home today. What you had planned to clean that or pull that or change that or mow that. I know the neighbors are talking about how long your lawn is. Take a nap. And let your kids do it. They're only four. They'll figure it out. Take a nap. One of the best things you could do is rest. Jesus shows us he often would get away from other people and just rest. He's asleep in the boat when a storm's coming, and they're all freaking out. And he's just sleeping. And they're like, don't you care that we're drowning? He gets up, he's like, peace be still. He goes back, you know. Doesn't go back to bed. He teaches them a lesson. Trust me, you can rest too. Don't worry about it. But here's what we do, Psalm 127. In vain... You rise early, you stay up late, toiling for food to eat. Ah, he grants sleep to those he loves. And and, and the crowd, you you diagnosed yourself when you raise your hand that you're not getting enough sleep. If you got got a lunchtime, take a portion of it and just close your eyes and rest. Rest. On your your lunch break, (laughs) okay? But a trick is, especially if you work at a computer, to put your head down and sleep right there. And when your boss comes by and says, Gary, you go, in Jesus' name, amen. You say, yes, yes, boss. Just say, in Jesus' name, amen. They think you're praying. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. That was a joke. He grants sleep to those he loves. Rest your body, your physical part of your flesh. You got to rest this machine. God shows it to us. He didn't need rest. He showed it because you need it. Number two, replenish your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you get, you, 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 you lose those things. You, you lose stamina. You lose strength. You leak. 
your emotions leak, your will leaks, you, your, your mind, it leaks, and, and you've got to replenish, replenish your soul. You know, Michael Phelps, when he was at his top of his game, he, he mentioned in an interview once that he eats around 12,000, he would eat around 12,000 calories a day because he was putting out so much. Spiritually, when you're giving so much, you've got to replenish your emotions and your will and your mind. Do you know what that looks like? It looks like quietness. It looks like solitude, finding just some place that's just you, just you and God. The Bible says he makes me lie down in green pastures. When you could do more work, in other words, a sheep in a green pasture, guess what a sheep could do in a green pasture? Just eat it all up, right? Just eat it all up. But he makes me lie down in a green pasture. I could eat, but instead of, instead of working right now, because a sheep's job is to work and rest and work and rest and get shaved and then rest and then get killed and eaten. Sorry, but... Whatever, to live as Christ, to die as gain. The, the idea is, the idea is he makes us lie down because you don't want to lie down. You don't want to lie down. You got to rest. And you know what? It's enjoyment. Can I say something to you? When I say joy is our strength, the garments of praise is an exchange for the spirit of heaviness, the Bible says. And that heaviness that's in our culture, we need to attack that, not with don't, don't do all this. We need to attack it with a garment of praise. There's joy that comes through praising God. You know, praise is what we do more towards the beginning of our services where we're, we're declaring the goodness of God. Some, most of the time, those are more high-paced songs, fast-beat songs, but it's not about the pace. It's about, it's about what we're declaring. And praise is more horizontal. It's like we're, we're praising and we're telling other people how good, uh, great is your love. And, and we're, we're singing that together. I know my breakthrough is coming. He won't stop now. And it's not just telling him, it's telling one another the goodness of God. And you know what? That, that is joy that we're trying to, but that, that comes from praising God. Worship is more personal. It's between you and God. We love those praise. Just give me a, just give me a slow worship song. You know, it's just a, Yes, God. And we love that. But guess what you can do? You can worship on your own. You can't praise on your own. Praise requires all of us coming together. Worship is something you do between you and God. Praise is like this corporate thing. And I'm telling you now, we have fun in church. Thou shalt not make church boring. It's one of those commandments somewhere, not in the Bible. Book of Hezekiah. <laughs> Hezekiah is not a book. We're going to have, we're, we're, I want this church to be known. Not just that we're a church anyone can come to. Not that empty seats are a big deal. Not just that we won't maintain, but we'll multiply. Not that we don't do life alone. All those things are our core values. But I'm telling you, I'm adding something that is just a value of God, not of Timber Creek. And that is, we ought to be the most joyful place a person experiences in East Texas. We ought to have fun. We ought to laugh a lot. We ought to smile. It's part of the uniform we wear around here. We ought to goof off. We ought to just be fun and have fun and say mosquito jokes that are maybe a little off color. We ought to do those things because people need more joy in their life. And you come to church and you're like, and it's like you leave and it's like, thank you for telling me how horrible of a person I am all day today. That makes me want to like, you know, do more. 
And if that was your experience, I'm sorry. And maybe because that was your experience, you're a little taken back at how much fun we like to have in church. I want to tell you, this, this is, I think, more. It's not exactly, but it's going to be more and more what heaven's like. We're going to have a joyful, good, fun time in heaven. Okay? It's not just playing harps with white robes. We're going to have a good time. That's the way Jesus is. And the joy of the Lord replenishes our soul finally. Refocus my spirit. Refocus my spirit. Body, soul, spirit. That's what you're made of. Your body is your flesh. Soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. Your spirit is that which is most like God that's calling out as deep calls to deep. You, you're calling out looking for God before you even knew it. Your spirit cries out for God. And the problem is your body and your soul are in a fight for the remote control with the spirit. They're in a fight for who's in control. People are letting their emotions be control, control them, letting their flesh control them. And he says, don't walk in the flesh. Don't walk like that. Be filled with the Spirit. Can I say another thing that just I, I think needs to be said in, in, in this day and age? And it's, and it's, um, I hear this quite a bit, and it's obviously glamorized all throughout any movie you'll ever watch or whatever. But, but a lot of people, man, this weekend, I'm going to kick back. I'm going to relax. I cannot wait to get home and have me a glass of wine or put, put, you know, put back in a cold one. It may not even be an alcohol thing. It could be, I can't wait. I, I'm going to go, you know, eat whatever, however. Um, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go fill my mind with things. I'm going to go binge watch Netflix you know, alcohol's never been an issue with me, but time wasted on binge-watching Netflix, that, that could be, I could be guilty of that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, you, you can't have a glass of wine. What I'm saying is when we rely on those things and not the ancient path that God set, then those things become our answer. And those are pretty poor answers for what God has, aren't they? God is the answer and the joy of the Lord fact, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is like new wine. Do you know people are get, getting drunk on all kinds of stuff beyond just wine? Drunk on entertainment, drunk on porn, drunk on affirmation, drunk on medication, trying to ease the, the stress and pain of life. And the Bible says, don't be drunk on wine. He says this, how about you, how about you be filled with the Holy Spirit? That's the, the Holy Spirit inside of us who teaches us and comforts us and counsels us. And when we're weary, he gives strength and he's alongside of us. Not just this ethereal thought of a vague electrical force field up in the sky that we call the big man upstairs. He is with us when we've invited him into our life. And he speaks and he never leaves us or forsakes us. Oh, there's this old song. I'm a, I, I, I like the oldies. I love the new ones. We sing a lot of new songs, but every once in a while I like to go old school. There's this, this old song that really just encapsulates th th this, whole, this whole thing I'm trying to tell you. Can you just sit still for a moment? Please don't move. 
take this moment to honor God and just listen to these words. Sing us the, the verse and the, the chorus of that, would you, Cody and Abby? Right where you're sitting, let's sing that chorus together. Sing it again, that chorus. today, but there was a song written by King David for a Sabbath day. And there in Psalm 92, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day, it's good to praise the Lord, make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning, starting out right, and your faithfulness at night, ending the day right. The scripture goes on to say, planted in the house of the Lord. When we find that Sabbath day rest, we flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. Like, don't worry about it. He's got it. He provides the fruit. They'll stay fresh and green. You don't, you don't get crusty. You don't get stale. You don't get, you don't get behind when you rest the way God has called you to rest. And you know what the result is? Last fill in the blank, write it down. The rest is when we truly take the Sabbath day rest serious. Here's what happens, change from the inside out. See, we're trying to change stress from the outside in. It's not in your notes, but let me show you this. It's not about removing the stressors because guess who's gonna be there tomorrow? Susan from HR, sorry, Susan. That boss is still gonna be there. That schedule until you make some changes is still gonna be there tomorrow. Your kids are still gonna be there. There's still gonna be stuff you're gonna have to do and navigate and go for. Money that you're still, credit card you're having to still pay off. It's not about removing the stressors. Here's it is. It's about the way we view the stressors. And we view it through rest and joy of the Lord. That's our strength. We view it because we know there is no greater name, beautiful, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. There's no rival. There's no equal. And greater is he that is in me than all this stuff that's in the world. And so let me finish with this. Then we'll receive our offering and we will leave ready to take a nap, take some changes in your life, take some action. 
But here's what Jesus says to us. In fact, the book of Romans, the apostle Paul records, inspired by the spirit, he records these words. But I, I've, I've just adjusted them to be personal for you. Not changed the scripture, but I've changed the pronoun from God to me and I. And, and I want you to think about this scripture as Jesus saying it to you, not as, not as Jeremy saying it to you. So I want you to receive this last scripture now. And I believe it's from the heart of Jesus himself to you because it's his word. Here's what Jesus says. Embracing what I do for you is the best thing you can do for me. Stop trying to work for me and earn my love. You can't earn my love. I love you. you can, in fact, you can't unearn my love. But embracing what I do for you is the best thing you can do for me. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit right into it without even thinking. Don't keep up with the Joneses. Keep up with Jesus. Instead, fix your attention on me. You'll be changed from the inside out. How many of you want that today? Let me pray over you. For every schedule represented, Father. For every hectic, stress-filled moment represented, for every decision that's waiting in the balance, for every mom or dad that feels like, oh, I just don't, I'm not putting the right time in the right things, for the family that's struggling to make ends meet, for the woman of God or the man of God that has allowed their resistance to lower and finds themselves saying things or doing things or thinking things or regretting things that they never thought they would experience thank you Jesus that we cast our cares on you for you care for us so much that at the very beginning of creation you showed us these guys are going to try and work hard I'm going to show them how to rest so we invite you to remind us of the ancient paths the good way may we walk in it I pray for supernatural rest in their body, in their soul, in their spirit. As they are putting out 12,000 emotional, physical, spiritual calories, that they would bring in more of you, your word, worship. That they would not forsake the meeting together like we've done today, but they would make it part of their routine of always, every, every, every week, starting the week in church, wherever they call church their home. Forgive us, Lord, when we've done our own thing, and thank you for not leaving us there, but giving us guidance for what's next. We declare rest on this family of God, and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, the strong Son of God, whose yoke is light. All God's people said amen.